Well, greetings, everybody. This is Pastor Tyler. Thank you again so much for joining us here at the NDCC online worship experience. We count it an honor to be in your home. As, as you have welcomed us into your home, we want to welcome you into this service. We just want to say thank you for joining us, you and your family. You mean so much to God. You mean so much to us. You're seen, you're loved, and you are valued. And, you know, I, in the past few weeks, I've been breezing past this introduction. I've been eager to preach and eager to get into what God would have to say to us. And I've missed the opportunity really to slow down. And, and I've been convicted over the past few days. And the Lord really wants us to take a pause before we get into the word. We're going to get into the word today. Trust me. But before we get into the word, God wants us to take a pause. God wants us to acknowledge that there's a lot of things that are happening in our world. God wants us to sit back and, and really take a breath before we receive. You know, sometimes we're moving so quickly, we can't hear God speak. We can't hear what God is saying to us. And so I, I just want to take this time and acknowledge some things that are going on. Obviously, you can tell that we are still meeting online. We're not meeting in a physical location. And the reason for that is, you know, after hearing everything that we can hear and studying everything that we can possibly study and considering the safety and the health of you, our members, we don't want to put a single member at risk. That is just unacceptable to us. And so with that in mind, we've decided to continue to invest in our online worship experience. And we'll give you some more updates in the coming weeks as to when we can gather together in person, but I, I just want to say we value you, we love you, and we know that it's very difficult for us in this season not to be in person physically. We trust that even as we're distant from one another, that God is making up the distance that we lack, making up the touch that we are not able to give you. And, and even though we can't feel that physical representation, we can still feel his presence as we talked about last week. I also want to acknowledge that there is so much tension and cultural strife that is happening, especially considering the recent deaths that we have seen, the recent tragedies, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, and also Breonna Taylor as well. And so these are difficult things for us to process. And, and you know, in the middle of this, I, I think sometimes we can breeze past it all. And when we can think that, oh, well, we just need to get into the word, we just, and sometimes God just wants us to sit in his presence for a second and feel before we can actually receive. And I also think of those who are in a financial crisis right now. I think of those who are applying for unemployment. Maybe that's you and you're watching us today. Maybe that's you and, and it's long past Sunday morning and it's long past Sunday afternoon and you're watching at midnight or you're watching late in the evening and you just decided to pull up the stream randomly or you passed by us on YouTube. You matter, you are valued and maybe you're looking around and you're saying, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of this. I don't know what God is doing. We just want to take this time to pray for you. We just want to take this time to pray with you. Last week, we ended the sermon on our knees. Can we start the sermon on our knees this week? Can we start this time by just creating an altar in our living room, creating an altar in our bedroom, and lifting up our cares and concerns to God? So I just want you to get on your knees. I'm going to do it again because I think it's so powerful for us to see. So powerful for us to get in a place where we can come together. And even though we physically can't be represented in this moment, we can still do the same things. We can still identify with one another. So I'm going to get on my knees right now, and I trust that you're doing the same thing. And, and let's just fill our atmosphere, fill our living rooms with the presence of God. Father God, we acknowledge you. We welcome your presence here. We say, have your way in this place. 
whether it's our living room, whether it's our study, whether it's our kitchen, whether it's our bedroom, whether it's our children's room, our parents' room, have your way in this place today, God. We're not so concerned with an online service or an experience that we miss having an encounter with the living God. You're so amazing. And sometimes we breeze past it. You're so magnificent. And sometimes we ignore it. You're so mighty. And sometimes we doubt it. But God, we come before you and we say we need you like never before. God, we need you in our country in times of strife and difficulty. We need you in our country in times of economic crisis and upheaval. God, we need you in our country in a time of a pandemic. We need you in our country in a time where there's not great leadership, or we need you in a time where there's not great followership. God, we ask, God, that you would come down and be the one who is present in the middle of our trouble, in the middle of our strife, in the middle of our pain. God, I pray for those who are watching today and those who need a touch from you, a specialized, personalized touch from you. A catered word. God, I pray that their hearts are open and that you will speak to them, that you'll plant the seeds of the gospel deep into the soil of their soul, that they may bear much fruit, that they may be encouraged. Holy Spirit, would you wrap your arms around your people right now? God, give us your mind. Give us your wisdom. Give us your heart. May we follow you implicitly, God. May we follow after. May we yearn for you, God, to come and be present in our lives, in every area of our lives. We'll give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, even as we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, I'm going to get up now. I think we're ready for the word. I think we are ready for the word. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 32 in a little bit. But, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been dealing with this series called Back to the Future. And I missed the Back to the Future series. There's so much more that I wanted to talk about there. We'll come back to that a little bit later in the year. Stay tuned for that. But I believe that God is saying something different to us for this specific moment. And as we think about this specific moment, I believe that God is taking us to a place and in particular, God is taking us to a perspective. You know, ever since everything has moved online, we've been obsessed with this idea of views. Even us, even a church, we're tracking how many people are viewing the service every single week, right? We're tracking how many people are sharing the service. We're tracking all these metrics of online engagement. And one of them, I guess the most fundamental of them, is views, and views are telling who's watching the service, telling who's watching a program or a broadcast. And it's been so interesting because one of the places where we see views is not just the church, but we also see it in the music industry as well. And there is something amazing that's been happening recently. It's called Versus. Have you guys been watching Versus? Versus is basically this online music battle on uh, Instagram. And it was sponsored by Swizz Beats and Timbaland. And those hip-hop producers have been putting some artists, comparable artists together, and they've been doing a battle. They've been battling some of their greatest hits. And it's been incredible, almost nostalgic to watch like a Lil Jon and a T-Pain battle it out, or to watch a Erica Badu and a Jill Scott. And actually, if you're watching this on Sunday, they're actually going to be doing a versus gospel battle between Fred Hammond and Kurt Franklin. And T.D. Jakes is going to come on and give some encouraging words. It's going to be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's just this really great way of us connecting with people across the globe. It's like an online concert. But one of the things I was researching and realizing is that Versus has received millions of views. They even say they've received billions of online impressions. And there's something they call the Versus effect. 
And the versus effect is once you come on versus and you're an artist who participates, your streaming numbers will triple. Your streaming and online sales will go through the roof, and that increases your notoriety because so many people are viewing. They are obsessed with views, and it's a good thing to be concerned with views, but I think there's another way we can spin this. I think there's a double entendre here. I believe that God wants us to start viewing things from his perspective. He wants us to start viewing our problems from his perspective. I want to say something to you. It's the frame for our entire series. It is impossible to accomplish our purpose without perspective. It is impossible to accomplish our purpose without perspective. It's so impossible that in Isaiah 55 verse 8, it, it literally says, For my thoughts, the Lord speaking, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the, the series that I want to lead us into, the series that I want to push us into, the series that I want to guide us into, it's called Views, God-Sized Perspective for Human-Sized Problems. I want you to type that in the comments, Views, God-Sized Perspective for Human-Sized Problems problems. Perspective is everything. It's impossible to accomplish your purpose without it. And, and you know, in Mark chapter 14, we see a perspective moment. We see a moment where God's perspective overrides a, a real human problem, a painful situation, a painful moment. And you know, as I was thinking about how we could transition into this series, I don't just want to jump into part one. I really want to transition in well. I don't just want to jerk us from one thought to the next. And the thing that kept coming up in my heart is tension, the word tension. And as I was thinking about tension, I was drawn to Mark chapter 14. Let me read Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 36. And it says here, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray, he meaning Jesus. And Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, verse 34, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. You know, whenever I study great men and women, whenever I study people who have done amazing things, whether it's a skill, whether it's an athletic achievement, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a moment or a word of courage that's necessary to correct a society or correct a group of people. You know, I've always noticed that it's never easy for them. If you, if you want to do anything great, you will always be faced with tension. I want you to type that in the comments, the word tension. Tension is a pulling. Tension is a stretching. Tension is a time when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Tension is something. It's a problem of pain. It's a sorrow. It's a grief. It's a tragedy. Tension is essential. Has anyone out there ever felt tension? Anyone out there honest enough to admit that in the past week you felt a little tension? I want you to type in the comments, if that's you, you felt a little tension over the past week. Could be in a relationship, could be a family member, could be a financial situation, could be with what's going on in our culture. I want you to type in the comments, it's me. It's me. I've felt some tension recently. One of the things that I've noticed is we like to rush past tension. You know, sometimes God wants us actually to sit in tension. Sometimes God doesn't want us to push away from pain. Sometimes God wants us to interact with it, to wrestle with it, to deal with it, to abide in it. And you're like, man, why would God want us to sit in tension? It's because God is wanting to teach and show us something in the middle of tension. 
God is wanting to sit and show us and, and talk to us and, and really refine our hearts and refine our souls and refine our spirits in the time of tension. And you have to understand this. No one is immune to tension. Tension is a part of the human condition. doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter how successful you are. doesn't matter how anointed you are in God. Every single person will find themselves in a tension moment. You know, tension is the gap between the problem and our purpose. Tension is the distance between overwhelmed and overcoming. Tension is the chasm that sits between revelation and realization. Has anyone out there ever felt some tension? And if you have then you're in good theological company. You're in good biblical company. Let me give you some examples of tension. Come join us, Father Abraham, and tell us how God promised to give you Isaac, then in Genesis 22, asked you to sacrifice him on the altar. That's tension, right? Let's hear from Meek Moses, who led a million Israelites to the banks of the Red Sea with the pursuing Egyptian army at their backs. That's tension. Ask the good brother Job, who was doing nothing wrong but lost his children and cattle and houses and health, and you'll find that he knows just a little something about tension, right? From a female perspective, we can take testimony from Sister Esther, who, faced, who was faced with going to see the king uninvited, not knowing if she would be killed. Tension. And how about brother Joseph? Not the one in Genesis. I'm talking about the one in the New Testament. Remember I preached about him? He's the one who was betrothed to Mary, who was pregnant, and he was not the father. That's tension, y'all. Tension. That's something that everyone has to face. You're in good theological company if you felt it. And maybe I'm being too theological, so let me park right here in your neighborhood. Maybe some of you feel tension because you've raised your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and you've done everything that you possibly can, but yet it seems as though they're not following God the same way that you wanted them to. Maybe that's a little bit of tension. And some of us have parents that we pray to experience God in the same way that we have, and it doesn't seem like they're willing to make the, 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 the jump. It doesn't seem like they're willing to step out and believe by faith. That's tension. Some of us have been the victims of abuse. We're survivors, and nobody even knows about it. We have to stand before people, and we have to be strong and courageous, and we have to put on a mask. But deep down on the inside, we're broken, even though it seems like we're whole. That's tension. Others of us are dealing with the death of loved ones. Others of, of us are dealing with sickness in our own bodies. And we're looking around and we're saying, God, are you really a healer? That's tension. Maybe some of you young people are trying to graduate from high school and college, and now you can't have a graduation celebration. Now you can't do the things that you expected to do. And you're looking around and you're feeling distraught and you're feeling confused and you're feeling lost and this chapter of your life didn't close as neatly as you wanted it to. That's tension. Can I be honest with you? Come a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer. Yeah, come close. Come close to the camera. Can I, can I just, it's just you and me here. Nobody else is here. Can I just tell you something here? Lean in. I'm going to whisper something to you. There are some things in my life I don't know what to do about them. Can I be real? Can you spare me some pastoral transparency here? I, I know, I know pastors, we're supposed to have the, the right two to four sentences. We're supposed to have the right paragraph that is supposed to answer all of your questions. We're supposed to know what to do in every single situation, right? We're supposed to have it all together. I don't know about you, but can I be honest with you? I, I, I don't know. There's some things in my life, I don't know what to do about them. Does that scare you to hear me say that? 
It scares me to hear me say that, so I'm just going to be honest with you. There are some things in my life I don't have all together. You, you see, it, this is not in my notes, but I, I think this is where the Holy Spirit is leading me. You know, sometimes it seems as though we try to tell people, we try to show people with our lives that Christians don't have any problems. It seems to me that sometimes it seems like we try to present ourselves as perfect human beings, as perfectly curated and crafted, and there's nothing that's wrong in our lives. You see, even when we tell our testimony, you realize this, right? Even when we tell our testimony, we give all the glory, but we like to be the center of the story. <laughs> am, I, am I getting too close here? We, we give God all the glory, but we like to be the center of the story. We like to talk about our own will and our own strength and the things that we've done but really and truly, we're not showing anybody any authenticity and transparency. And I know it seems like pastors are supposed to have it all together, but there's some things in my life that I don't know what to do about. I might know the right principle. I might know the right pathway. I might know the right Bible verses. But we don't talk about the times when you use all your favorite Bible verses and you've been in the presence of God and you've worshiped God for hours and you still feel down and depressed and you still feel confused and you still feel depressed and disappointed pointed and you still feel like you don't know what to do, that's tension, church. And I got to be honest with you. If you don't know that I feel it, then I feel like you might think that I'm a superhero or a super Christian or different from you or have some other access to God than what you have. But the truth of the matter is I'm real just like you. I bleed just like you. I get sad just like you. I get depressed just like you. I feel pain just like you do. And we think that it's going to be a sign to everybody if we hide our tension moments. I don't want to do that. If that's what's required for me to stand behind this pulpit, that's not what I'm into. We feel real tension. Doesn't matter how great we are. Doesn't matter how mighty we are. Doesn't matter how much God has called us. You know, it's so interesting because people really don't come to Jesus. They don't come to church. They don't like to experience that first step when we invite them because this is what we say. We say, come as you are, but when they get here, we judge how they came. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? We say, come as you are, but then when they get here, we say, oh, what you doing? Where you come from? We treat them as if they're second-class citizens. We treat them as though they don't have anything to offer. And people are looking. They're like, man, did the same grace that saved me, is it able to keep me when I'm down? Is it able to keep me when I have troubles? Is it able to keep me? They're saying, I came to the hospital because I'm sick. Can anybody stitch up my wounds? That's tension, church. And we all have to be honest from pastor to parishioner. From bishop to the person who's at the end of the pew, who sits in the back, we have to be honest and say we have all faced tension. And it's no greater display of tension than here in our text in Mark chapter 14, the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is the Son of God. He's getting ready to go to Calvary. He's getting ready to do what he is built to do. So he's on his way to purpose. That's very important. He wasn't doing something wrong. He wasn't doing something evil. He wasn't doing something that was faulty. He was following the will of God. And he's on the way to Calvary to sacrifice himself for a wretch like you and like me. And he goes through Gethsemane. It's the place of pressing. It's filled with religious symbolism. It's at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And, and it means that it's, it's the place where you're pressed out. It's the place where you're going to a deeper level. And Jesus actually has to go through the tension place to get to his purpose. Don't miss that. 
To get to his purpose, Jesus had to go through the place of tension. To get to your purpose, you have to go through the place of tension, through the place of temptation, through the place of stretching. And here's the good thing about it. Here's the good thing about tension is tension may stretch us, but it doesn't bind God. Tension may stretch us. But it doesn't mean that God is being bound. Just because tension tests our faith and our talk and the things that we have believed to be true does not mean that God is flummoxed. Doesn't mean that God is perplexed. Doesn't mean that God is confused. As a matter of fact, God is still free and he's still able and he's still capable in your moment of tension. But we're in it, right? We're in this moment of tension nationally. We're in this moment of tension personally. And in this moment of tension, here's what I think. I think we're going to have to confront some things. And briefly here, I think there are three things that we're going to have to confront. And tension always exposes things, just like it exposed some things in Jesus. The good things came out of him. The good things don't always come out of us, right? One of the things that tension exposes is tension exposes the pain you thought you could cope with. Tension exposes the pain you thought you could cope with. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 32, and it says here, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Now, this word is very interesting because when it says he was troubled, I think about the fact that just before this, in John chapter 14, he tells the disciples, let not your heart be troubled, right? He says this. He says, let not your heart be troubled, John chapter 14, verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, right? Famous passage, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the interesting thing is that a couple of chapters later, Jesus himself feels troubled. Jesus himself feels pain. Jesus himself feels sorrow. Jesus himself feels weakness. And pain is something that will always find us in our moments of tension. Tension will expose for us the pain that we think we're able to cope with. You see, some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, maybe perhaps because we thought we had to be superhumans and super Christians and we couldn't be honest and transparent with people and we couldn't show them our scars or maybe people in the past have burned us and people in the past have talked about us and there are open wounds where people have stabbed us in our backs and maybe perhaps because of that we think. We can't be honest about the pain that we're feeling, but there are some people who are watching, and if you're honest with yourself, you feel like a failure. If you're honest with yourself, you feel like a nobody. If you're honest with yourself, you feel worthless. If you're honest with yourself, you're being pressed out. If you're honest with yourself, you're in the place of tension and the rubber band is just getting so, and it seems as though you're looking up and you're saying, I can't take this pain anymore. Tension exposes the pain you thought you could cope with. I thought I could handle it. I thought I could act as though it doesn't exist. And Jesus is pressed out in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he starts to get troubled and sorrowed. Why? Not because he's done something wrong, not because he's experienced a consequence, but because he's getting ready to do something that's great. He's getting ready to follow his purpose. And he feels pain, and he can't cope with it, and he's feeling sorrowful. And many of us think that at the point of pain, at the point of difficulty, at the point of stretching, when tension exposes the pain that's even greater than us, we start to think that we're in the wrong place. Let me suggest something to you. Let me ask you a question. What if the pain you're avoiding is the experience that you need the most? 
What if the pain you're avoiding is actually the very thing that you need to walk through? I know you're looking around, you're like, what does this mean? You don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my trials. You don't know my difficulties. And you're right, I may not know any of that. But the truth of the matter is, there are some things that we have to walk through that are for our development, that are for our growth, that are exactly the experience that we need the most. Maybe that difficult child is there to teach you some patience. Maybe that difficult coworker is there to teach you some love and some long-suffering. Maybe... Your financial difficulty is able to teach you that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Maybe that time where you were down and out is helpful to teach you that he's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Maybe the very thing that you're trying to avoid is the thing that God wants you to walk through. Intention exposes that pain. It exposes your capacity for pain. Have you reached your capacity today? Have you reached your limits today? Have you started to think there is no way I will get through this? You're in good company. That's what Jesus found himself saying. He felt so much tension and pain. And he said, if there's any way we can get out of this, if there's any way we can go a different route, if there's any way your will and your plan can be accomplished in a different way, you see here, I really identify with Jesus because there are sometimes I've tried to get out of painful experiences and difficult experiences, and God has kept me smack dab in the middle, and it seems like He doesn't care. And in reality, what God is doing is He's trying to develop me. He's saying, The thing you're most afraid of, the thing you want to avoid, that pain is the thing you need the most. I think we see here in Mark chapter 14, verse 34 here, continuing on in the passage, he says this, another thing that that tension exposes in us. He says to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. You see, in, in, in other translations, what it shows and tells us in other accounts of this story is that Jesus actually starts to sweat great drops of blood. It's a process in science called hematidrosis. It's a condition, and most people who sweat great drops of blood actually end up dying because there's so much pressing, there's so much tension, there's so much stress that it elevates your body temperature and it causes the blood capillaries to explode and then great drops of blood start sweating from your forehead. He was in in intense pain, intense agony and sorrow. And see here, I, I think that tension exposes something else, not just the pain you thought you could cope with, but tension exposes the weight you thought you could carry. Tension exposes the weight you thought you could carry. You know what's so interesting is this is the moment where we see that Jesus is really human, like human, human, right? Even in the passage where Jesus is going through the wilderness and fasting for 40 days, which is when my humanity would have jumped out. Think about it, not eating for 40 days and 40 nights. No, my humanity would have jumped all the way out, but Jesus keeps it together. He starts quoting the word. Jesus does every single thing that you're supposed to do, but here he finds himself with a weight that's pressing him down. That's why it's so significant that they call it the the place of pressing. It's significant because what it shows is Jesus is, is bearing a weight, a weight that maybe is too great for even him, the weight of all the sins of the world. The weight of all the pain and the tragedy, the weight of all the sorrow, it's bearing down on him. And in Jesus' time of tension, it exposes the weight 
And for many of us, when we're going through times of tension, what happens is it exposes the weight we thought we could carry. We thought we were killing it. We thought we were pushing ourselves. We thought we may have been a little bit busy. We thought we may have been pushing it a little bit hard, burning the candle at both ends. But the truth of the matter is we're bearing a weight that long-term we are unable to carry. And if we're, if we're afraid of pain in point one, here's what I think we're afraid of in point two. We're afraid of weakness. We're afraid of being weak. We're afraid of being deficient. We're afraid of feeling powerless and helpless. Can I help you with some? There's some things you're not supposed to be able to control. There are some things that you're not supposed to be able to conquer. There are some things you're not supposed to be able to overcome. You're like, what do you mean? We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. But there are some things that God has not designed you to bear. There are some things, some weights that God has not designed you to carry. Some difficulties God has not designed for you to walk through on your own. And there are times when the time of tension, it exposes for us the weights that are too great for us. And in times of weakness, it's good for us to be remembered. It's good for us to remind ourselves. It's good for us to think through the fact that God is not afraid of our weaknesses. God is not afraid of our mishaps. God is not afraid of our failures. God is not afraid of the things we are not able to carry. As a matter of fact, he knows more intimately than anyone else that the weights that we have on our backs, sometimes we need to remove them and give them over to him. I think about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this. Paul is so anointed, he's like, yo, God transferred me into the third heavenlies. He was giving me revelation knowledge, and I saw some things I can't even tell you. That's the type of relationship I have with God. He showed me some things I'm not able to tell you. But, he said, in order that I wouldn't get conceited, that pride wouldn't rise up in my heart and rise up in my soul. Here's what he said. God allowed a thorn to be placed in my side. A thorn in the flesh. And I prayed multiple times, God, take it away from me. Take it away from me. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says in Psalms or in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, if that's the case, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Here's another question for you. What if your place of weakness is actually your place of power? What if your place of weakness is actually your place of power? I got some good news for you, saints. You don't have to rely on your own strength. You don't have to rely on your own ability. You don't have to rely on your own might. You don't have to rely on your acumen or your talent or your power or your status or your wealth or your education. God says, even in your weakness, I can empower you. Even in your weakness, I can use it to show that I'm great and I'm mighty. And maybe the place of weakness is actually the place of power. We have to admit those things. We have to be honest enough to say I'm weak. Final thing that I see here, I love this, Mark chapter 14, verses 37 through 38. Jesus comes back and he's like, yo, I told y'all to sit and pray. I told y'all to watch because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he came back and found him asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the third thing I think tension exposes, tension exposes the pain you thought you could cope with. Tension exposes the weights that you thought you could carry. And tension exposes the people you thought you could count on. Did you hear me? Tension exposes the people you thought you could count on. 
You see, Jesus didn't enter the garden alone. Jesus entered the garden with three men. You have to understand, Jesus has levels to his relationships. He has a multitude of people. He has maybe the 70 of people. He has the 12. And then he has three. He has the, the super soldiers, right? He has the, the green berets. He has the special forces guys. These aren't spiritual lightweights. This is Peter, James, and John. This is the elite. These are the people who are supposed to say, Jesus, I'll die for you. As a matter of fact, Peter says, no, no, no. I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to die with you. And Peter finds himself in this moment falling asleep. They do miracles. They turn water into wine. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do great things. They've seen him do amazing, mighty things in the kingdom of God, and they can't even stay awake for him. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how the people who are closest to you can't seem to do simple things for you? Isn't it amazing that everyone you're depending on, you realize, you start to, to come to a realization that they're not someone you can rely on? Let me ask you this question, final question. What if the people you're depending on are a crutch, not a compliment? What if the people you're depending on aren't ready for the next level? What if the people that you're leaning on, but time of tension exposes that it's not lucrative, it's not fancy, it's not advantageous to be your friend? Oh, you're showing too much weakness. You're saying too many truths. You're being too honest about your shortcomings. You're being too transparent and vulnerable. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was attracted to the strong side of you. I was attracted to the accomplished side of you. I was attracted to the side of you that's strong and mighty and has it all together. And in times of tension, it will expose for you the people who are crutches, not compliments. It'll expose for you the people who are additives, not essential. It'll expose for you the people who you thought you could count on. And that's what the time of tension does. And Jesus here sees that his disciples still need a little bit of development. Peter eventually goes on to deny him. Peter actually says a few hours later, get this, a few hours later, Peter looks at someone who says, weren't you with that Jesus, the Messiah guy? Peter says, I don't even know who that is. And many of us are shocked when in a time of tension, we start to see our relationships are strained. And while we're being stretched, our relationships and our friendships and our connections are being stretched as well. Don't think it's strange. Same thing happened to Jesus. It's just exposing who's really with you. It's just exposing who's really for you. It's just exposing who's on your side and who's at a level that can match with yours and who's going to the same place you're going. And Jesus looks around and says, even my trusted disciples are falling asleep. What is Jesus' response to these times of tension? What is Jesus' response to the pain that he can't cope with, the weight that he can't carry, the people he can't count on? Uh, look at verse 36. It says here, Abba, Father, a personal God, a personal relationship. He says, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. In other words, Jesus submitted his problem to God's perspective. In other words, Jesus relinquished his wants to God's will. Jesus sacrificed his preference for God's omniscience. Jesus said, if this is the way that it has to go down, it's okay because it's about your perspective, not about my problem. And God is present in our problems, but sometimes, church, we got to submit our times of tension. We got to submit our problems. We got to submit our pains to his perspective, to his greater will and his greater purpose. And we have to say, not what I want 
not what I desire, not what I want to be on me, not what I want to make me look good. Whatever it is you call me to do, I'll do it because you have a greater perspective. You have a greater perch. You have a greater knowledge of what's going on than I do. And God is calling for some of us. He's saying over these next few weeks, I'm going to drastically shift your perspective. The things that you expected to be deal breakers may not be anymore. The things that you expected to put you down, you may not have to put those things down anymore. The things that you expected to be weights for you and to be difficulties for you, now I'm actually going to flip that around and those things are going to be stepping stools and pedestals for you. Maybe I'm going to give you a different perspective on your problem. That's what God wants to do in a time of tension. He wants to give you a greater perspective. Jesus realized that he had to continue this mission because our redemption was on the line. Our story, our, 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 our connection to him, our eternal souls were dependent and relying upon him finishing his mission. You might not know what's going on now, but you will later. You will. It will be revealed. God will show you what he has called you to do. He will give you a greater perspective. And so, church, I want you to lean in over these next few weeks because God, just like Jesus, was able to come to this reality, just like Jesus was able to say, not my will, but your will. Not my problem, but your perspective. Think about it like this. If God can handle the cries of God, can he handle yours? Hear me. Two people in the Godhead were connected in that moment. God the Father and God the Son. And if God the Father can handle the cries of God the Son, can't he handle yours? If he was able to carry the weight of God the Son, can't he carry yours? If he was able to deal with the fact that all these people abandoned him, won't he be there with you? If God can handle the cries of God, he can handle yours. But time of tension, we have to sacrifice our problems for his perspective. What are you facing that's tension for you right now? Is it something that I mentioned? Perhaps it's something that's beyond my understanding. Perhaps it's something that would crush me, but you're still standing. Perhaps it's something that would cause me to quit, but you're still going forward, one foot in front of the other. Whatever it is, I challenge you. I challenge you to relinquish the, the tension moment to the perspective of God. God, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't mean that we can't be honest about it. God loves our honesty. God can handle our honesty. He can handle us coming and dumping our weights on his lap and saying, God, do something about this. He can handle that. But the truth of the matter is sometimes it feels like we just want to cling to it. I'll figure it out myself. And God says, relinquish the tension. Sit in it, but relinqu relinquish it to my perspective. Relinquish it to my power. That's what God wants today. If that's you and you're saying, I have a tension problem. I have a problem in my time of tension, in my struggle, in my weakness, in my sorrow. There's pain that I can't cope with anymore. There's weights I can't carry. There's people I can't count on. I need God. I need God to step in and release and relieve this tension. If that's you, I just want you to put home in the comments. I want you to put home in the comments right now. Wherever you're watching, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, no matter what time you're watching, maybe a little bit later, maybe weeks down the line, put home in the comments. And if you can't do that, text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. 
And I want to pray a prayer for you right now because all of us are facing tension. Tension is a part of the human condition. But I want to pray a prayer for you right now because I believe God wants to meet you in that moment. God moves in a time of tension. Father, right now, I pray that you would come down and you would inhabit the houses of everyone who is watching. God, I pray that you would relieve the stress, that you would lift the weights, lift the burdens. God, I pray that we would not be afraid of pain or weakness or failure or isolation or the difficulties of life or the things that we cannot ourselves conquer. God, I pray that we would realize that you're going to move in our weaknesses, that you're going to move through our pain, that you're going to grow us through our trouble that you're going to teach us through our trials. God, would you in this moment give us an assurance that even if you don't relieve the tension when we want you to, that you're still very present with us in it. And if you can handle the cries of your son, Jesus, surely you can handle our tears. Surely you can carry our weights. It's nothing to you. If you can deal with what Jesus was giving in the Garden of Gethsemane, surely you can deal with our pain. God, I pray that someone would know that you are present right now, not later, not tomorrow. They need you right now, God. And if that's you, I pray that you would relinquish all of your, all of your worry, all of your anxiety, all of your pressure, all of your tension to a God who truly sees, who truly loves, a God who truly cares. In our time of tension, teach us that our problem isn't greater than your perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hey, everybody, this is Pastor Tyler again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NDCC online worship experience. And I realize that especially as we talk about tension, as we talk about the stress of life, as we talk about being in the messy middle, I know that that might lead us to some feelings of hopelessness, some feelings of helplessness, maybe some feelings of inadequacy. I just want to encourage you that God is prepared to handle every single one of those feelings, just like we talked about today. So if you want to take a step in God, I want to pause here. You know, normally I just breeze through this and say, hey, you can just put home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. But I think there might be someone out there who genuinely wants to have an encounter with God, who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. You can type home in the comments, but right now, first, I just want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to say, even repeating after me, if that's you, if you say, God, I want to give my life to you for real this time. I want to follow you in everything that I say and I do. Transform and change my life. Lift up your hands and say, God, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been going. And I just want to follow you. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he's an alive and risen. And thank you that I can make the choice to follow him. Come into my heart and save me. Transform me. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited. We're proud of you. We want to celebrate you. We want to be excited with you and walk with you as well. You can type home in the comments or text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. It means so much that we're able to introduce Jesus to you. Once again, if you did not have the opportunity to give earlier in the service, you can do so in two ways. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in to P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Y'all, I have enjoyed being in your house today. I've enjoyed it. It's exciting. And again, until further notice, we're going to continue to meet online. We don't want to put any single member at risk, but we're just going to value being here. We're going to continue to invest 
and be patient as we're led by the Lord to when we're going to gather together again. So join us next week for part two of the Views series. I'm really excited. God-sized perspective for human-sized problems. I hope to see you next week. And until then, be blessed, be safe, be healthy. We love you so much. Peace. Thank you.